Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. The War Powers Act of 1973 is unconstitutional. Virtually every president, maybe every president of both parties has thought so. Supreme Court's never ruled on it. It's unconstitutional. So to watch Mike Lee and Rand Paul and Matt Gates and others acting as if it's constitutional really is quite appalling to me. There is a well-written piece by Josh Hammer at the Daily Wire on this very subject. And he knows exactly what he's talking about. He says, Congressional Democrats, who seem blissfully unaware of then-President Barack Obama's rather expansive interpretation of the War Powers Resolution of 1973, during his strategically disastrous 2011 operation to oust Libyan strongman Muammar al-Qaddafi, suddenly seemed to care an awful lot about constitutional norms and separation of powers and principles again. Intellectual inconsistency much? Specifically, Speaker Nancy Pelosi's House of Representatives just passed, he says is debating today, just passed a non-binding R resolution whether to congressionally impose war powers resolution limitations upon President Trump's unilateral ability to ratchet up militancy with the Islamic Republic of Iran and their crusade to hamstring the president's conduct of his foreign policy vis-a-vis the jihadist Iranian regime, House Democrats have even found some libertarian-leading Republican allies. Remember what I explained to you. (laughs) The Constitution, it's not a libertarian document. It is what it is. Let's start with the war power resolution, which was passed during the closing stanzas of the Vietnam War, actually does. The statute requires the president to notify Congress within 48 hours of committing armed forces abroad And it precludes deployed U.S. forces from remaining engaged in hostilities abroad for more than 60 days without an affirmative authorization for the use of military force that has passed through Congress. At the time, President Nixon vetoed the bill on constitutional grounds, arguing that the measure would define presidential war powers in ways that would strictly limit his constitutional authority. Now remember, you know, an overwhelmingly Democrat Congress. Nonetheless, a two-thirds majority in each congressional chamber overrode the veto. 
But Nixon's veto was correct. I agree with every word of this. The Constitution famously divides foreign affairs powers between the legislative and executive branches. Among other enumerated powers, in Article 1, Section 8, Congress has the ability, quote, to declare war, quote, raise and support armies, quote, provide and maintain a navy, make rules for the government and regulation of the land and naval forces, quote, provide for calling forth the militia, unquote, and provide for organizing, arming, and disciplining the militia, unquote. By contrast, Article 2 of the Constitution provides that, quote, the President shall be Commander-in-Chief of the Army and Navy of the United States and of the militia of the several states when called into the actual service of the United States, unquote. The very first clause of Article 2 also vests the Presidents with, quote, the executive power, meaning a residual foreign affairs power that encompasses all those powers not expressly delegated to Congress in Article 1, Section 8. As legal scholars, Sykrishna B. Prakash and Michael D. Ramsey persuasively argued in a 2001 Yale Journal article, 18th century English common law had an ordinary meaning of executive power, and that included foreign affairs power. Now, a careful line-by-line overview of Congress's enumerated powers does not actually provide a legislative means that could feasibly justify the War Powers Resolution. The most likely candidate is the Declare War Clause, but that provision happens to be woefully misunderstood by many lawyers and politicians across the ideological spectrum, including my friend Mike Lee and including Rand Paul. As Professor John Yu compellingly laid out in a 2003 University of Chicago Law Review article, the Declare War Clause simply confers on Congress juridical power to both define the United States' legal relations with other countries and trigger domestic constitutional authorities during wartime. It is the President of the United States, under Article II's Commander-in-Chief Clause, who is actually responsible for initiating and conducting hostilities. Congress can then intervene to halt a president it views as a reckless warmonger using the manifold tools it does have at its disposal, such as Decreasing the size of the Pentagon's budget, going line item by going line item by line item, and removing various offensive-oriented material from the Department of Defense's arsenal, or using its more general power, the purse, to defund a war effort in its entirety, as it did eventually in Vietnam. This interpretation of the Declare War Clause should not be nearly as controversial as it is at the 1787 Constitutional Convention. The framers actually, consciously, substituted out make war, quote-unquote, with declare war, quote-unquote, as applies to Congress. Make war was rejected. Declare war was included. In so doing, James Madison famously explained to Elbridge Gerry that it was imperative to leave to the president the, quote, power to repel sudden attacks, unquote. This ought to make a great deal of sense, as Alexander Hamilton would explain only six months after the Constitutional Convention, in Federalist No. 70, which is not cited by Mike Lee, quote, decision, activity, secrecy, and dispatch will generally characterize the proceedings of one man in a much more imminent degree than the proceedings of any greater number, unquote. 
Finally, in Article 1, Section 10, the Constitution precludes a state from, quote, engaging in war unless actually invaded or in such imminent danger as will not admit of delay, unquote. So the framers were aware of multiple verbs, make and engage, that could have clearly conveyed the meaning of an initiation of hostilities. But they didn't use those words, and they didn't use them for a reason. The framers understood that there was great merit to leaving decisions such as the commencement of hostilities to one man, not to a fractious Congress, to reiterate. Congress already has a number of tools at its disposal to push back against crusading commanders-in-chief. No statute is needed, writes McCarthy, to provide Congress with the power to frustrate unauthorized presidential war-making. Because they already have the power to do it. In other words, they already have the power to do it. The power of the purse, ultimately. The War Powers Resolution may or may not be good policy, but it doesn't matter because it runs afoul of the Constitution's carefully calibrated separation of powers. So you actually have people, mostly libertarians, misreading the Constitution in the context of the history that they cite, cherry-picking it. The fact of the matter is, you cannot rely on Congress to conduct wars. Congress has tools to stop them, to prevent them, but it cannot micromanage what a president is doing short of using the power of the purse. I would ask these radical libertarians who are code pink Republicans in many respects, does Congress have the power to tell a president to go to war? Does Congress have the power to tell a president which battle to engage in or which battle not to engage in? Does it? I understand listening to Mike Lee the other day, he said, look, we asked Secretary of Defense, Secretary of State, CIA Director, many others. When is it your responsibility to tell Congress about your next move? If you're to take out Khomeini. And they wouldn't give me an answer, he says. Okay, well, let me turn the tables, Mike. What are the limits of Congress's ability to intervene in the role of the commander-in-chief? Must he always come to Congress? Well, then what's the triggering mechanism? Where's the default line? If it's a major battle, if it's taking out the number two in a government who is a terrorist, what is it, Mike? What is it, Rand? They don't have an answer to that either. And they know they don't. The Constitution does not confer on Congress the power that Rand Paul, Mike Lee, Matt Gates, and others, some of them are my friends, claim that it does. The War Powers Act is fundamentally unconstitutional. Congress does not have the authority to micromanage a president as commander-in-chief. The right to declare war does not give them that authority. 
They can use the power of the purse, as they do in any other area, to make decisions and influence the commander-in-chief's role. But they do not have an affirmative power granted anywhere in the United States Constitution. None. Like it or not, that's the Constitution. I'll be right back. As the new year begins, Hillsdale College thanks you for your loyalty to freedom. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of Liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive Imprimus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. You know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. Now, this independence allows the college to focus on its core purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, without government interference. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the rest of the country. Happy New Year from Hillsdale College. And to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Now what Nancy Pelosi is doing here is wasting more time with a non-binding resolution. A non-binding resolution. It's another sop to the Democrat kook base. But the War Powers Act is a serious matter of 1973 and and this attempt now to change it because uh, there's some bubbling up in the Senate to actually do that. And when you have such a slim majority, you'll have a Mike Lee and a Rand Paul uh, who can do some damage here. Now here's what they wrote in the House. Termination of use of United States Armed Forces to engage in hostilities in or against Iran. This is why I have now come to call Nancy Pelosi Tehran Nancy. There was Tokyo Rose. There was Hanoi Jane. Nancy Pelosi is Tehran Nancy. She's been giving aid and comfort to the Islamo-Nazi genocidal terrorist regime responsible for killing and maiming thousands of Americans, tens of thousands of others, including Iranians and Muslims and Arabs all over the world, as well as individuals in Europe, Central and South America, and in Africa. That's how far the reach is right now. She's giving aid and comfort to Iran. You know, remember we had Baghdad, Bob, and well, Nancy needs a nomenclature, and so we'll give her one, or a moniker. Tehran Nancy. And that's what we should call her for now on. Government Iran, she says, is a leading state sponsor of terrorism and engages in a range of destabilizing activities across the Middle East. Soleimani was the lead architect of much of Iran's destabilizing activities throughout the world. The United States has an inner right to defend itself against imminent attack. All right, all right, all right. United States has national interests. So where do we go? Pursuant to Section 5E of the War Powers Resolution, Congress hereby directs the President to terminate the use of United States forces to engage in hostilities in or against Iran or any part of its government or military. 
with some exceptions. Congress has declared war or enacted specific statutory authorization for such use of the armed forces. Now, this is what I'm explaining to you. This is unconstitutional. If Congress wants to cut off activities, then do it through the budget, through budget language, through authorization language. But they haven't. And so the president's not required to be involved in the cessation of his commander-in-chief responsibilities, defending the country, defending our military, and defending our diplomats. It goes on. Such use of the armed forces is necessary and appropriate to defend against any armed attack against the U.S., but to prevent the president from using military force against al-Qaeda associated forces. He can continue to do that. He just can't continue to deal with Iran. Now, this would be a massive redistribution of power from the executive to the legislative. And what you can see here is Nancy Pelosi is the fascistic uh, Speaker of the House that I've been calling her. Whether it comes to her impeachment declarations, whether it comes to her effort to control the Senate trial, whether it comes to her refusal to agree to fund efforts to secure the border, uh, whether it comes to her effort now to destroy the commander-in-chief responsibilities of a president of the United States, Nancy Pelosi, and her radical left-wing, often anti-Semitic wing of the Democrat Party, is destroying our Constitution. Or is trying to. And so when you have some of these radical libertarians who go along with this stuff, the absurdity of what they're saying and doing is really painful. As I say, some of them I'm quite friendly with. You're going to have to do better than one quote from Alexander Hamilton and waving around the war declaration provision of the Constitution to claim therein lies the authority for Congress to seize the commander-in-chief responsibilities from the executive branch. The framers didn't put the armed forces in Congress. The framers didn't put the cabinet in Congress. The framers didn't give any executive authority to Congress. And they don't get it now either. I'll be right back. You hear me talk about Hillsdale College a lot, about its rigorous classical liberal arts curriculum, about its exceptionally bright and patriotic students. 175 years ago, Hillsdale College was founded with a mission defined by four enduring purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. While many institutions have lost their way, Hillsdale College maintains an unwavering commitment to learning, character, faith, and freedom. I've also talked about the great Dr. Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College. It's one of the finest Americans I've ever known. And he explains that these four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, remain inseparable in the activity of education at Hillsdale College. He says, learning is difficult and takes more than talent. It takes hard work, which requires character. Freedom is essential for learning, but it is fragile and constantly under threat, so its principles must be studied by all for the sake of its defense. At Hillsdale, faith and learning are integrated toward God because he is the first authority. 
Folks, if you've ever wondered why I love Hillsdale College, now you know. Visit hillsdale.edu. That's hillsdale.edu for more information. Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Remember, that's hillsdale.edu, hillsdale.edu. Straight and narrow pass, you have a guide. Mark Levin. Call him now at 877-381-3811. Rather than passing a resolution supporting what the president did, rather than passing a resolution supporting what was done to this terrorist, the House of Representatives passes a non-binding resolution that if it were an actual binding resolution, would be utterly unconstitutional. And it amazes me to hear people who claim to be constitutionalists defend the War Powers Act, demand that the president run his commander-in-chief responsibilities through 535 members of Congress. That is simply not what the framers of the Constitution created. They didn't create that. Period. They didn't create it, and they weren't going to create it. In fact, they created the opposite of that. The war declaration sentence in the Constitution is not language that gives Congress the power that Congress is claiming right now. Now, the appropriations power, which is a general power, not even specific when it comes to the military, but it's a general power, and there's no question that Congress has that power. They can cut off funds or direct them or what have you. But they can't make battlefield decisions. I gave you some of the history of George Washington, Thomas Jefferson. I could give you a hell of a lot more history. But that would be absurd. Nobody believes that. They weren't stupid men. They were very smart men. They were never going to allow Congress, Congress, to run national security. That wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. So the House passes this measure. A couple of Republicans vote for it. More Democrats vote against it, by the way. We're still talking small numbers, but nonetheless. I'm a constitutionalist. That's what I am. But there are too many opportunists who pretend to be constitutionalists. As again, they push their ideology. I don't know what the code pink Republicans are all upset about. I really don't. The President of the United States is talking to the genocidal dictator and inbred in North Korea. There's no indication that he's going to go to war with North Korea. There's no indication the President's going to go to war with China or Russia. There's no indication the president's going to go to war with Iran. The president has removed substantial military assets from Syria, from Iraq, and he said today he wants NATO to take most of the responsibility in Iraq and with Iran and for us to leave. He stands up 
to the Islamo-Nazi regime when they attack our embassy, when they're planning other attacks, and all of a sudden they talk about World War III. And if you actually endorse the president's position, you're a warmonger. And they keep bringing up the Iraq War, saying people got us into Iraq. Well, let's bring up 9-11. Now the code pink types helped precipitate 9-11 because they didn't take terrorism seriously. And we didn't have the ability or the willingness, apparently, to chase down these terrorists in their caves, in their desert tent tents. And so they struck us. That's what appeasement does. That's what non-involvement does. That's what that ideology does. But they don't talk about 9-11. The other thing they don't talk about is nuclear missiles. What is Rand Paul's position? And our friend Mike Lee, there are other code pinkers in and out of the media, with respect to Iran... Getting intercontinental ballistic missiles with nuclear warheads. Is their position? We have no business being concerned about it. You see those ICBMs with nuclear warheads? They make the world much, much smaller. Well, they're 7,000 miles away. Exactly. Why do you think they're building ICBMs with nuclear warheads? What is their answer to that? What would they do? They have no answer. Or they blame America. Or they find foils, you know, like Dick Cheney and Liz Cheney and John Bolton or whatever. It's bizarre, actually. They have no strategies. They have no no ideas on how to deal with any of this. And so they're left spewing ideology. Because that's what they do. And of course, they're joined by a media which just takes the position opposite of whatever Trump does. You know, we got into this Iran deal originally because the Obama administration lied to us. It lied to the reporters. And Ben Rhodes, who was the Deputy National Security Advisor to the President, who had almost no national security experience, he had been an author of sort of nonfiction and poetry and so forth and whose brother was the head of one of the major news networks, of course. Ben Rose would brag in a uh, very long piece, an interview with the Washington Post, about how they deceived the media and how the media became active propagandists for the Obama position. Propagandists for the Obama position. And he's still invited on TV to give commentary about the Trump position. And they lied us into this agreement. They transferred billions of dollars to the Iranians. Well, it was theirs. It was frozen. doesn't matter. We're not talking about private property. They knowingly lied into this deal. 
And yet, the Code Pink Republicans, I believe, even though they say they oppose the deal, they kind of liked it. They kind of liked it because you can go to bed actually believing that we're safe, even though we're not. And that's the problem with these deals. Believing that we're safe, but we're actually not. Bring all the troops home. We have no business being there. We'll actually be safe. Tell me, is that the way evil genocidal regimes think? They're only evil and genocidal and have expansionist desires because we're in Iraq or something? That's not how Hitler thought. That's not how Stalin thought. That's not how Khomeini thinks. That's not how Al-Qaeda and ISIS think. They'd be more than happy to visit terror and mayhem on our homeland. And one day, more and more of them will have the capacity to do so. That's why those of us who want to ensure that Iran never has nuclear weapons, we're the real peaceniks. Because once they do, it's too late. The reason the president and the administration is struggling on what to do with North Korea is because prior administrations cut scores of deals with North Korea that the Code Pink Republicans would love. You can get endless peace in our time deals. Self-delusional. Feel absolutely great because there hasn't been any war. And then all of a sudden... This genocidal dictator has 20 nuclear weapons. Now what do you do? There's nothing you can really do. Is there? Look at Red China. In the early days of the Clinton administration, it couldn't even get a rocket off the, off the, off the planet Earth. What happened? Well, one of those rockets was unsuccessful. And our companies went into Red China and fixed their problem. And by doing so, violated our export control laws. And then forevermore, China figured out how to get rockets off the planet Earth. And from there, they said, hey, you know what? Let's just steal all this technology and get everything we can. Which is exactly what they've been doing. Now they know how to shoot rockets. They know how to murder them with multiple warheads. They know how to hit our cities. They know how to launch them from subs. Their satellite technology far exceeds ours in a military sense. They can wipe out our electrical grid, which would destroy this country, literally in days. What should we do? Should we withdraw from the South China Sea? What should we do? Just don't be provocative, Mark. You must be a warmonger. You must be a hawk. Really? What is it any of our business, what goes on in Iran? Right, of course, ladies and gentlemen. Why is it any of our business that they want to build ICBMs that can hit Los Angeles, Chicago, and New York with nuclear warheads? Why is it? (coughs) Why is that? Dump, please. Why is that any of our business? You know, we're not fighting wars with muskets anymore. And wars are beyond conventional. There's cyber wars. There's space wars. There are intercontinental ballistic missiles now. 
You're not safe in Lawrence, Kansas. If you think you are. You're not safe in Cheyenne. In Boise. Just because you're in areas of the country that you may not think are really targeted or there's not a lot of industry or population or so forth. Let me tell you a little secret. Every one of our major metropolitan areas are targeted by the Russians for offensive nuclear attack. Every one of them. Every one of them. And more and more by the Chinese. What do you think Iran's going to do? I want you to think about this. You've got space warfare, cyber warfare, intercontinental ballistic missiles, more and more of these countries with with nuclear warheads. And our answer is, as if this is uh, 1803, just get out of town. They won't bother you if we don't have any forces there. One of the reasons we have forces in these places is so we can figure out what the hell these people are doing. We can't get all of our intelligence by satellite. That's the other thing these code pink Republicans and the Bernie Sanders types do. Our intelligence sucks. You're going to believe these people? Well, when you have forward bases and you have human intelligence, our intelligence gets better. But they say take everybody out. 1,000 troops are too many. 500 troops are too many. Get them all out. Just get out, they say. As if the military and intelligence personnel who want them there want them exposed, you see. Want their colleagues and fellow soldiers and fellow intelligence officers exposed. They're the ones that don't want them exposed. But on the other hand, they know what their job is. Just because somebody sits behind a Senate desk or a broadcast desk or a radio microphone doesn't mean they know what the hell's going on. Most of them don't. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. As the new year begins, Hillsdale College thanks you for your loyalty to freedom. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of Liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive Imprimus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. You know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. Now, this independence allows the college to focus on its core purposes, learning, character, faith and freedom without government interference. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership and extending its mission to the rest of the country. Happy New Year from Hillsdale College. And to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. All right, Mr. Producer, to which caller shall I go, please? Yes, yes. Sirius Satellite, Frank in Florida, go. Hey, Mark, I really appreciate you, man. As soon as I started listening to you, you voiced what I feel every night, and I can't thank you enough. You got it. Hey, um, a side note, I went to high school with your favorite district attorney. 
Which one? Yeah. So which, uh, which one? Hold on now. Hello. Yeah, you there? Which district attorney? Larry Krasner. Oh, the guy now, the loser. Yes. Yeah, I went to the high school reunion this past fall, and he had his bodyguards with him. What a, what a wimp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I've been in law enforcement my whole life, and it's been one of those things where. I don't understand why more people don't follow what's going on in Washington and don't support this president. And I'm sick and tired of these Democrats. Nancy Pelosi is the one that should be removed from office. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, a modest effort underway now to uh, to punish her. I would love that. I mean, it's, it's just, those people are breaking the Constitution. And, and you pointed out in such a way that it's understandable. I don't know why more people don't raise hell about it. Yeah, well, but we have problems also. What's interesting is you'll have one, two, three, four members of the Senate who take a position on uh, the Constitution, which in my view is dead wrong, and that's the only time they get attention by the media uh, because their position might undermine the Trump position. Otherwise, <clears throat> their interpretation of the Constitution when it applies to domestic issues, spending, border security, and so forth, are utterly rejected as ludicrous. Do you notice that, too? Yes, I do. I have learned so much from listening to you about the Constitution that I actually started reading it again. Mm. You know, it's been years since school, and you're right on every point. I'm no scholar, but it's... But I want you and everybody else out there who listens to this program to actually look at the Constitution, the power it gives to the House, or that is to the Congress, and the power it gives to the President when it comes to... uh, Commander-in-Chief Responsibilities. Take a look. It gives no affirmative battlefield strategic authority to a legislative branch. Tell me, what insane fools would do that? Socialists. <laughs> Not just socialists, radical libertarians. Yeah. And, and really what they're doing is promoting their agenda. They say it. We want no more war. You know, there was a, I, I talk about it. Maybe I'll look it up during the break. I won't give it away now. Make sure you listen after the break. I'm going to read something to you, to the nation out there, a little bit, bit of history that's kind of fascinating. And you would, think that the, uh, you would think that the code pink Republicans today and the Bernie Sanders types would do exactly that. What am I talking about? Come back after the top of the hour and I'll explain. We'll be right back. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello America, Mark Levin here. Our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. So the Iranians shot down that uh, Ukrainian passenger, commercial passenger jet, with 176 people perished. That must have been absolutely horrific. Absolutely horrific. Being on a plane like that, uh, and reportedly it was accidental. I guess we'll learn more about that as time goes on. The Kellogg-Briand Act. 
the Kellogg-Briand Act of 1928. Now, you code pink Republicans and Bernie Sanders types, media, Democrat Party, radical libertarians, you should love this. But this really goes to the heart of the idiocy of your position. And you can look it up yourself. This is from the Interwars Weebly site. The Kellogg-Briand Pact was an agreement between a total of 62 countries in 1928. Upon the plan to outlaw war, as a result of World War I, every nation from both the West and Eastern Hemisphere wanted to prevent a second world war. Did they succeed, by the way? Initiated originally by France and America, the United States feared the pact would seem like a bilateral alliance, meaning if France was threatened, the U.S. may be forced to intervene, and which defeats the purpose of outlawing war. So to resolve this, they suggested that the two nations take the lead in inviting other nations and joining them. Together, with the other 62 nations, they signed the Kellogg-Briand Pact, also known as the Pact of Paris, which primarily stated two clauses. The first outlawed war as an international policy. So they outlawed war. Sounds pretty cool. The second called about upon the signatories to resolve matters in peaceful ways. Now, although 62 nations ultimately ratified the pact, well, guess what? The effectiveness was destroyed by the failure to provide enforcements, and the Kellogg-Briand Pact eventually falls with the start of World War II. The start of World War II. During this interwar period between World War I and World War II, the idea of international peace rose in America. Everyone wanted to prevent a second world war. These big endless wars, you know. Some focused on disarmament, such as the series of naval conferences that began in Washington, while others supported the League of Nations and the newly formed World Court. But others initiated a movement to try and outlaw war. People involved with the Carnegie Endowment for for International Peace, including peace advocates, Nicholas Mary Butler and James Shortwell, were dedicated upon promoting internationalism. France, on the other hand, was isolated, was seeking a safety net, a friend. Due to its continued distress upon its German neighbor, France sought alliances to shore up her defense. French Minister of Foreign Affairs called for an agreement between the U.S. and France, yet Calvin Coolidge, Secretary of State Frank Kellogg, were less eager to form the pact, since the agreement against war could be interpreted as a bilateral alliance. Now, to avoid this, they invited these other nations. Initially, 15 nations signed the pact, including France and the U.S., the U.K., Ireland, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, India, Belgium, Poland, Czechoslovakia, Germany, Italy, and Japan, later 47 additional nations. The Kellogg-Briand Pact attempted to achieve internationalism, and through cooperation between the 62 nations, they tried to outlaw war. Yet since everyone wanted to outlaw war on their own behalf, nobody would support the ones in need. In any event, 
1931, Japan invaded Manchuria. Japan was a signatory to the Calabrian Act. Further threats to peace agreement came from the Italian invasion of Ethiopia in 1935. Italy was a signatory to the Calabrian Act. The German occupation of Austria in 1938, Germany was a signatory to the Calabrian Act. The fact that there was no way to enforce the pact and that the, and that the uh, con- it constituted a self-defense could not be fully defined caused many problems. The dominant powers, then, the U.S., France, Britain, wanted to remain at peace, so they ignored the conflicts, believed they would be solved in peaceful ways, and they didn't want to get involved. But more and more conflicts began to occur. Tension between nations rose, and eventually, it was World War II. The Kellogg-Briand Act. See, these senseless yet imaginative efforts to pretend there aren't evil people, evil regimes, genocidal maniacs out there wind up killing a lot of Americans because we're ill-prepared. So you actually have voices in this country, the Bernie Sanders hard left and the Code Pink Republicans Radical libertarians, so-called populists and nationalists, whatever you want to call them, who want you to believe that if we would just take everything we have, hook, line, and sinker, out of the Middle East, since we have nothing to do with them, we'll be perfectly fine. Just take everything we have in the 1930s out of Germany and Japan. What do we? Japan's so far away. What does that have to do with us? Germany's so far away. What? A, how is that in our national security interest? We could be spending money here on bridges, on family leave, on so many things here, on going after Google and Facebook. Why bother? 10,000 miles away, 7,000 miles away. What the hell can they do to us? And keep something in mind as I come back to seriousness. They can do a hell of a lot more to us now, far away than they could in the 1920s and 30s with the advancement of military technology, satellite technology, cyberspace technology, ICBM technology, nuclear technology. This isn't a game. We should dismiss the ideologues. I want to keep pointing to Iraq. I'll point to World War I. I'll point to World War II. I'll point to 9-11. And they say, we don't have intelligence. You're going to believe these people? Why they would have us remove all of our intelligence assets out of these parts of the world so we have no idea what the hell's going on. None. Except anything we can pick up from far away. Why would we do that to ourselves? How does that keep the peace? How does that protect us? It's very important you think these things through. And this is why I have the smartest audience of all audiences. Because you do. You don't go with the platitudes and the bumper stickers. And you want to know about history. Because you understand we must learn from history. History didn't begin and end with Iraq. History didn't begin and end with Iran. And Hezbollah. We've got to learn from history. 
If we withdraw everything and anything from the Middle East, we will suffer the consequences. We'll be blind to much of what goes on. We'll be blind to budding nuclear power, nuclear powers. And we will do so at a grave risk to ourselves. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. We're not going to spend the rest of the show on this, but we will dip in and out of the president's rally in Ohio. Go ahead. With the envy of every country in the world, we've created 7 million brand new jobs since our election. And we will soon be replacing the disaster known as NAFTA with the incredible brand new USMCA, the historic victory for Ohio farmers, workers, and manufacturers, but really a great victory for the United States. It's an incredible agreement. You remember I came and I talk about, I'd always talk about how bad our trade deals are. We did a brand new one with Korea. So now we have South Korea. We just finished a big one, $40 billion with Japan. On January 15th, we're signing a monster, a big, beautiful monster, $40 to $50 billion to our farmer. That's our farmers will be taken in. I keep saying, go buy larger tractors. Go buy larger tractors. I said, there's no way. I don't know if you know the story. My people wanted 20 billion of purchase, right? 20 billion, 20, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of corn, $20 billion. And I said, make it 50. China's very big. And they said, okay. They said, sir, the farmers can't produce that much. I said, let the farmers tell me that. Tell them to go out. We'll dip back in on this uh, a little bit later. But I want you to understand, right now it's very important, who Nancy Pelosi really is. Tehran Nancy. Here she is at a press conference today. Cut three, go. Now, in terms of impeachment, you will keep asking me the same question. I keep giving you the same answer. As I said right from the start, we need to see the, the arena in which we are sending our managers. 
Is that too much to ask? In October, we put forth H.R. 660, which is House Resolution, which talked about the terms under which we would proceed further uh, to further proceed with the investigation so that people knew. Now, you uh, see, ladies and gentlemen, the fact is that the Constitution gives the Senate the sole power over the trial process. Period. In this, there is no dispute whatsoever. No dispute whatsoever. Cut four, go. At some point, we would hope that we would see from them what the terms of engagement will be. We are ready. We are proud of our defense of the Constitution of the United States. We are concerned that the senators will not be able to live up to the oath that they must take to have an impartial trial. So much for that. An impartial trial. You can hear her arrogance. You can hear her fascism pouring out of her pores. So much for that. But here's the deal. She doesn't get to tell the senators what they're doing. She talks about an impartial trial. Tell me, ladies and gentlemen, is there a single Democrat from the Senate running for president who's impartial about this? No. Many have called for the conviction and removal of the president. Many have said the president has committed crimes. They've said all kinds of horrible things about the president. Are they going to be impartial? No, everyone knows this isn't impartial. Was the House impartial in the way it proceeded? Now, she lies to us, the American people. She thinks you're stupid. She thinks you're one of her constituents because her constituents are stupid. They vote for her over and over again. They must like fecal-ridden streets. They must like heroin needles everywhere. They must like seeing their beautiful city turned into a, uh, a turd village. Now, here she is again, fascistic Tehran Nancy. Cut five, go. They don't want documents. They don't want witnesses. They oh, they don't want witnesses. She's such a uh, sleazeball. She really is. Complete sleazeball. Go ahead. A dismissal, which is proof that they cannot, cannot uh, clear the president of the wrongdoing. Cannot clear the president of wrongdoing. But she wants an impartial trial, ladies and gentlemen. What kind of a fool is this? Go ahead. No, I'm not holding them indefinitely. I'll send them over when I'm ready. She'll send them over when she's ready. She runs the country from her little district in San Francisco. She's in charge. Any of you vote for her? She runs the country. She's the president. Now, this clown Adam Smith, not the good one, the left-wing Democrat from the state of Washington... He's the chairman of one of the committees, and he owes his committee chairmanship to Nancy Pelosi. And he stepped out of line. John Berman, the dumb as a doorknob host over there at CNN, asked Smith a question. Cut six, go. Is it time, chairman? I think it is. 
I mean, I understand what the speaker was trying to do, um, basically trying to use the leverage of that to work with Democratic and Republican senators to try to get a reasonable trial, a trial that would actually you know, show evidence, bring out witnesses. But at the end of the day, just like we, we control it in the House, Mitch McConnell controls it in the Senate. Um, I, don't, I think it was perfectly um, advisable for the speaker to try to leverage that, to get a better deal. At this point, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. And yes, I, I think it is time to send um, the impeachment to the Senate and let Mitch McConnell be responsible uh, for the fairness of the trial. He ultimately is. Now, fascistic Tehran Nancy didn't like that. Because rather quickly, Chairman Democrat Adam Smith reversed course. He said he misspoke. That was a long comment to misspeak, wasn't it, Mr. Producer? He misspoke. Misspoke is when you're calling Iran, Iraq, you know, New Hampshire, Vermont. It's not a soliloquy. And yet, that's exactly what happened here. And so, he reversed course. Why? He's scared. Scared of what? Well, here's Dana Bash on the Constipated News Network, CNN Today. Cut seven. Go. He's not a, a, lone, a lone voice on this. There is a growing frustration inside not just the Senate Democratic Caucus, but the House Democratic Caucus, Pelosi's caucus, to say, get on with it. We're done with this impeachment thing. Send it over. Let's move on. Let's talk about something else. And the fact that uh, that Adam Smith said that publicly is noteworthy because I got a text from a, a House Democrat who explained why they're not saying it publicly. And the reason is people are being careful about being public because she, Nancy Pelosi, never forgets. Oh, fascistic Tehran Nancy never forgets. We'll never forget this, Tehran Nancy. You are a sleazeball of the highest order. You are a disgrace. You disgust tens of millions of Americans with what you're doing to our country and our Constitution. And we never forget either. And we shall not forget. And I'll be right back. Mark Levin, the great one. The great one, Mark Levin. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. All right, let's listen to the president briefly. Go right ahead. Qasem Soleimani and ended his rampage through not only that part of the world, but much bigger parts of the world. He was all over. He was a bad guy. He was a bloodthirsty terror, and he's no longer a terror. He's dead. And yet now I see the radical left Democrats have expressed outrage over the termination of this horrible terrorist. And you know, instead, They should be outraged by Soleimani's savage crimes and the fact that his countless victims were denied justice for so long. You know, he was the king of the roadside bomb. You know what the roadside bomb. And then they got bigger and he'd send them over to Afghanistan and Iraq. And when you see our friends and our great wounded warriors and our great warriors, when you see them without their legs or without an arm, and with so much damage, 
It's most likely that he caused that damage because that's what he liked. He loved planting the roadside bomb. So now he's gone, and that's a good thing. Bernie Sanders, crazy Bernie, has condemned the U.S. military strike on Soleimani. The world's top terrorist. Think of it. The world's top terrorist. And we're having people like Nancy Pelosi. That's a real genius. Do you believe that one? Nancy. Nancy. Nervous Nancy. But here's a guy who slaughtered and butchered civilians all over, and, and military, whoever was in his way. And we have Bernie and Nancy Pelosi. We have them all. They're all trying to say, how dare you take him out that way? You should get permission from Congress. You should come in and tell us what you want to do. You should come in and tell us so that we can call up the fake news that's back there and we can leak it. That's a lot of, that's a lot of corruption back there, folks. No, no, but think seriously. So they want me, so you know, these are split-second decisions. You have to make a decision. So they don't want me to make that decision. They want me to call up. Maybe go over there. Let me go over to Congress. Well, come on over to the White House. Let's talk about it. When can you make it? Well, I won't be able to make it today, sir. How about, uh, let's say, in a couple of days? Oh, sure. Come on over. Now, we got a call. We heard where he was. We knew the way he was getting there. And we had to make a decision. We didn't have time to call up Nancy, who was not operating with a full deck. <laughs> now, they want us to call. Can you imagine calling crooked Adam Schiff? He's so crooked. He's so crooked. Shifty Schiff. Say, gee, Adam, how you doing? Listen, we have the world's number one terrorist. Killed thousands and thousands of people. We'd like to set up a meeting so we can discuss his execution. Would, would you be willing to meet? Well, I won't be able to make it this week. Well, you know, he's traveling fast. We got him lined up, Adam. You little pencil neck. <laughs> Nine inches. He buys the smallest shirt collar you can get, and it's loose. Now, come on, Adam. We got to meet faster, Adam. We got him lined up. We got to take this guy out. We're not going to have another shot at him maybe ever again. But, but I can't make it now because I'm trying to impeach Trump. I'm trying to impeach Trump. Even though he did nothing wrong. By the way, did you see I did nothing wrong? 
They don't even know what the hell is going on. In fact, it's so weak, she doesn't want to put in the articles. It's so weak. They're so pathetic. They're so pathetic. So they want us to call them. Now, Schiff is a big leaker. You know, he leaks to crazy CNN. See, with a little red light on all them. Not too many people are watching CNN. But he leaks. So he'll say, you know, uh, off the record, I got to hurry up because everyone's watching me in the hallway on my cell phone. Off the record, they've got the number one terrorist in the world, Soleimani. And they're going to get him. They're going to take him out in the next 10 minutes. Uh, please don't tell anybody I told you. But the, So we have, we have breaking news. President Trump, within the next 20, 25 minutes, looks to be taken out. Terrorist General Soleimani. He's going to do it. Should be happening about the next 20 minutes, 19, 18, 17. <laughs> then we get back to the battlefield. How'd you do, fellas? I don't know, sir. He disappeared. I don't know what happened to him. <laughs> they, want us to, they want us to tell them so that they can leak it to their friends in the corrupt media. You got to say, though, that's a lot of media, right? That's the way the Academy Awards used to look when it was successful. Then they started hitting us all the time, and it became unsuccessful. I love it. I love it, actually. President oh, they have some bad ones here tonight. They have some really bad ones, some real sick ones. They have one good one, by the way. One good one. They have one good one, but some bad ones. Very, very dishonest people, and we have some great ones too. You know, we have some great journalists, great reporters, but you've got a tremendous number of dishonest media people, like I have never seen in my life before. They write things that they know are wrong. They write, if you watch for the last three years, think of it, and then they get Pulitzer Prizes, but it turned out to be all wrong. How do you do that? They get Pulitzer Prizes for being wrong. The Pulitzer Prize doesn't mean a thing. This is why they hate him, because he, mean he just thing. exposes them. I mean, I'm going to tell you about the Nobel Peace Prize. I'll tell you about that. I made a deal. I saved a country. And I just heard that the head of that country is now getting the Nobel Peace Prize for saving the country. I said, what, did I have something to do with it? Yeah, but you know, that's the way it is. As long as we know, that's all that matters, okay? That's all that I saved a big war, saved a couple of them. But under my administration, we will never make excuses for America's enemies. We will never hesitate in defending American lives. And we will never stop working to defeat radical Islamic terrorism. Never. And nobody's done it like we've done it. And it's we. It's we. It's not me. It's we. It's a whole movement. There has, by the way, never been a movement like this. You know, outside, I don't know what this place holds. We will, like uh, we will return um, here and there to the president's rally in Ohio. 
It's historic. The things he's saying, the way he's conducting himself, the media wants you to think it's clownish, it's amateurish, it's unpresidential, it's rash. It's none of those things. This is one of the most consequential presidents in modern American history. In 50, 60 years from now, people will look back on this in awe. Forget about the static today. They don't matter. I'm telling you, you're living through history. And you're living through extremely challenging times. And that's the truth. If you're looking to buy a home in the new year, maybe you want to downsize your home or buy something bigger, even buy a vacation home, whatever the case. I highly recommend you work with American Financing. Now, I choose to endorse them because they have salary-based mortgage consultants who can customize any loan in the industry. It's their responsibility to find the best program for your financial situation, and they do just that. Whether it's walking you through short-term loans like a 15-year conventional or discussing the zero down payment benefits of a VA loan, they're knowledgeable folks who keep conversations simple and straightforward. And you know what else? They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, so you know customer service is very important to them. Take a few minutes and learn what American financing can do for you. You won't be disappointed. Call 800, excuse me, check that. Call 888-900-1828. 888-900-1828. Or apply online at AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. And we'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Let's face it, most New Year's resolutions are hard to keep. Get more exercise, save more money. Well, I have a resolution that's easy to keep. Stop wasting time going to the post office and use Stamps.com instead. With Stamps.com, you can do anything you do at the post office right from your computer. But Stamps.com gives you something you can't get at the post office. Big discounts on postage. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, Anywhere you want to send. Once your mail's ready, just hand it to your mail carrier or drop it in a mailbox. It's that simple. With Stamps.com, you get $0.05 cents off every first-class stamp and up to 40% off priority mail. It's a ton. That is a great savings. So give yourself a resolution you can actually keep this year. Stop going to the post office and go to Stamps.com and said there's no risk. With my promo code BUNKER, not a great promo code? Bunker. You get a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in the word bunker. That's stamps.com, promo code bunker. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Here's the President of the United States. Not be beaten. I've probably done this 10 times. I have never had it win. It's keep America great. And that's what we're doing. But we're going to use both. We're going to use both. We're going to use both. 
because there's no way that I'm going to jettison Make America Great Again. Right? There's no way. We're going to use both, but this hat is a hot seller. We're selling that hat like nobody's ever sold a hat before, I will say. So it's great. Good. Keep America great. So we're going to use both, but keep America great. That's probably uh, going to be the dominant theme. For eight years, the Obama administration enabled and emboldened the Iranian regime. They gave Iran $150 billion, including $1.7 billion in hard, cold cash. Can you imagine? No, no, can you imagine? $1.7, $1.8 billion in cash. So the foolish Iran nuclear deal financed Iranian aggression while allowing a quick path to nuclear breakout. That's what it did. And by the way, it expires so soon. They can have nuclear weapons. They're not, as I said before, they will not have nuclear weapons. By subsidizing Iran's malign conduct, the last administration was leading the world down the path of war. We are restoring our world to the path of peace. Peace through strike. Peace through strike. And our country's doing great, and I think something's going to happen that's going to be good. You know, we sanctioned the hell out of Iran, and we just put more out of it yesterday. And they hit us with 16 missiles. And I said, how many? We were ready to go. We were ready to go. I said, how many? How many died? How many were wounded? Sir, none. None. Pretty good warning system. None. How many were hurt? How many? None, sir. So we didn't do anything. We were ready. We were ready. Not that I wanted to. But we were ready, you have no idea. A lot of people got very lucky. We're thrilled to be joined tonight by many great Republican leaders. A man who's helped me right from the beginning, a very special guy. Well, let's tone this down. When you heard what the president said. That's news. And it's part of the Trump doctrine. He said, how many Americans were hurt with those missiles? None. How many were injured? None. We were ready. We were ready. And he was ready with overpowering military strength. This is part of the Trump doctrine that I've been talking about. This is very important what you just heard. So, if Americans have been harmed or injured, there is going to be a very, very overwhelming response. That's what he said in so many words. This is very important to understand. He does not join with the Rand Paul and the Code Pink Republicans. He has the Trump doctrine. You also heard him use the phrase peace through strength. That's a Reagan phrase. And as I've been explaining this Trump doctrine, I've been explaining it's very Reagan-esque with Trump's own twists, important twists, making it his own doctrine. But that's the core of it. And Reagan defeated the Soviet Union, and he pushed communism out of the Central and South America. I don't mean Cuba and so forth, but as it was developing. He pushed it out of parts of Africa. 
and he never sent 250,000 troops anywhere. So the Reagan model with the Trump overlay is the Trump doctrine. It is not the Rand Paul doctrine. It's not the Bernie Sanders doctrine. It's not the doctrine of the code pink left or the code pink Republicans. That is the radical libertarians. It's a practical, common sense doctrine based on prudence. Now, the Democrats and the media, one and the same, as you know, reading on freedom of the press, they keep pushing this issue that he's rash. He's not rash. That he doesn't have great people around him. He has great people around him. <clears throat> that he has no strategy. He has a strategy. He has a doctrine. And it is an important doctrine. Now he said one other thing, very important. You've heard him say it several times. The Iranians will not get nuclear weapons. So I'd ask Rand Paul and the others, what do you think that means? That means by hook or by crook, while he's president... He's not going to allow them nuclear weapons. That could be sabotage. Could be targeted hits. Maybe it's all-out war. I don't know. But he's drawing a line in the sand there. Again, that would not be Obama. Or the Code Pink Republicans. We'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. Millions and millions and millions of you during the course of the week. I want to thank you for tuning in. Whatever platform you use, we appreciate it. Our wonderful affiliates. We have magnificent affiliates, AM, FM stations, for which we are mighty proud. And, of course, we have our uh, Mark Levin app and our iHeart app. And we have our podcast. Don't forget to download the podcast. MarkLevinShow.com. MarkLevinShow.com. That'll be our homepage. You click on the audio rewind middle top of the page. That'll take you to the podcast page. And then you can download one of the platforms. Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Stitcher. A lot of people like Stitcher. You can take us with you all the time. All the time. Nancy Pelosi to press briefing today on the Soleimani killing. I want you to listen to this. I don't just play this to fill time. I've got more stuff I want to talk to you about than I can ever fit into a three-hour program. But, it, but I want you to listen to this. Cut 12, go. The, uh, the argument would be made that putting the shoe on the other foot, if the United States had a high level, maybe the second most important person in the country, assassinated wherever... The United States might consider that assault on our country, right? All right, stop, stop. This is what I said the other day. She and they have no morality, no moral compass whatsoever. Maybe it's their radicalization on abortion. I don't know what it is. No moral compass. 
good from bad, good from evil. Our vice president is a good, decent man of faith and family who's never harmed a soul. He thinks like a civilized man. He acts like a civilized man. This number two in Iran is Hitler-esque. He has, <laughs> he has directly or indirectly killed tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands. That's not our vice president. He's an unlawful enemy combatant who is on a battlefield, having just orchestrated an attack on our embassy. For Nancy Pelosi to speak this way shows you she has no soul, no moral compass. She's all about power and politics. She's diabolical. The rules don't matter. The Constitution doesn't matter. What have I said? They use the Constitution to destroy the Constitution. They use liberty to destroy liberty. That's what she does. I want you to listen again at the top, from the top. Cut 12, go. The, uh, the argument would be made that putting the shoe on the other foot, if the United States had a high level, maybe the second most important person in the country, assassinated wherever uh, the United States might consider that assault on our country. Right. And the Iranians might as well, even though I, I, I honestly think this this woman has lost it. I don't know if she's had. I don't know. She's got a screw loose, maybe 10. Go ahead. At the Iraqi airport. And so it's it, it's foggy. There are those who think, well, it was in Iraq, so it counts. But it was an assault on Iran, so it shouldn't count. Unbelievable. President's defending our embassy. He's defending our country. Unbelievable. I'm so sick of this propaganda, whether it's on TV or radio or coming from these politicians. I'm sick and tired of it. That's such a grave disservice to this country. Here's the president. Cut nine. Go. And we had a shot at him, and I took it, and that shot was pinpoint accurate, and that was the end of a monster. Then, and that was really, that was the second attack. It was not, we didn't start it. They started by killing one of our people and wounding badly other of our people. So that you call retribution. Ukraine, if you look at what happened with Ukraine, that's a hoax. Well, this is a hoax, too. Iran went in, and they hit us with missiles. Shouldn't have done that, but they hit us. Fortunately for them, nobody was hurt, nobody was killed, nothing happened. They landed, very little damage even to the base. They landed. But we had a chance to take out a monster. We took him out, and it should have been done a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Here's Kevin McCarthy today. Cut 10. Go. I never thought there would be a moment in time that the Speaker of the House of uh, Representatives would actually be defending Soleimani. The idea of this individual 
in this moment in time that they would be defending Iran that somehow they did not escalate this. When a president stood before the world and the country yesterday about de-escalating, what do you say to all the Gold Star families? Did you listen to what the speaker just said? Soleimani was a bad person, but. There is no but. He's a bad person because he killed American soldiers. He's a bad person because he led us against the embassy. He's a bad person because he went after the tankers. He's a bad person because he bombed the refinery. He's a bad person because he was planning more against Americans. The president was right in his actions, and we are safer today for it. I think that part of what the Democrats are doing today is wrong. And yet Pelosi, Schumer, the Democrats, the media, the code pink Republicans feel emboldened by all this. Emboldened. It's unbelievable. Run to the defense of Ukraine with hundreds of millions of dollars. Defend America. And they want to pass some kind of non-binding resolution that spews whatever it spews. It's absolutely shocking. Let's go back to the president live. Go ahead. Against religion, he was against oil, and he was against guns. Abraham Lincoln could not win in Texas with that platform. That's not a good platform. It's not a good platform. But you have people that want to shut down the oil industry. And if you do that, you're going to shut down half of your businesses, really more than that. And the rest of them are not going to be able to pay because the cost of this energy would be so expensive. So we have all forms of energy. We have every form of energy. And we are doing great. But they want to cripple your state's economy. But the voters of Ohio will never let that happen. Never going to let it happen. And our air and our water right now is cleaner than it's been in 40 years. And sadly, I can't say historic because, you know, a couple of hundred years ago, there was nobody here, right? So I assume that two, three hundred years ago was cleaner, probably. You never know. But our water and our air is as clean as it's ever been. And I took us out of that horrible Paris Accord. I always say, how you doing with the Paris Accord? Don't ask. Saved trillions and trillions of dollars. That was put in there to hurt us, in my opinion. It was put in there to hurt us. We were paying money to India. We were paying money to China. China's didn't kick in until 2030. We kicked in immediately. We had to pay money. Russia kicked in in 20, uh, let's see, they kicked in before. They were 1998. They were 1996. That was a very dirty period of air. So they didn't have, we kick in now, and that, it's just unacceptable. We would have spent trillions and trillions of dollars. We would have had to close up I think at least 25 to 30 percent of our businesses, who the hell would make a deal like that, right? Who would make a deal like that? Well, he will dip back in and out, as we will. Such a consequential president. Truly. We got to circle back to impeachment. I want to remind you, just 20 or 30 seconds, what the Democrats were saying about impeachment. Even the White House put this on their site, this montage. Not that long ago. Cut two, go. 
urgency. The timing is really driven by the urgency. Urgency. Nothing could be more urgent. Uh, the urgency. An urgent. An urgent. There's an urgency, you know, to this. And we must move swiftly. We don't have time to screw around. It's about urgency. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is still holding on to the articles of impeachment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, she is. And, you know, I've been thinking about this further. Who does this hurt by her holding on the, to the articles of impeachment? Now, it hurts the Constitution. Now, we've talked at length about this more than anybody else. Okay, but there's another point I want to raise. Isn't the Iowa voting soon, Mr. Producer, like in four weeks or something? Well, how does it help the Democrats if there is a Senate trial that's going on? And you have Republicans, they're not going to just take it sitting there, fighting back against what the Democrats have done in the House, what they're doing to our presidents, and what they're doing to the president himself. How does it help their candidates for the Senate? How does it help their candidates for president, the senators? They're supposed to be in the Senate. They won't even be able to campaign. This is why you're seeing a growing movement within the Democrat Party. A growing movement within the Democrat Party to move on with this. To move on with this. And I'm guessing the polls, you know, the polls that they don't show us, are showing that the people really are sick and tired of this. And over what? Over nothing. Over what? Over nothing. Now the president takes out somebody he should have taken out, but nobody else would. And they're trying trying to control him. I mean, it's unbelievable. What was the imminent threat, they tell us? What was, there was no imminent threat. There was no imminent threat in Iran. If you're a Democrat and you believe there's no imminent threat, you don't believe in public office. You shouldn't be in public office. Here's Elizabeth Warren. Cut 14, go. Let me start at the end. Yes, we should be worried about war. The principal job of the president of the United States is to keep America safe. And ordering the killing of Soleimani, who uh, was a bad guy. Stop. What do you mean was a bad guy? A bad guy is somebody who, you know, doesn't give you the right change intentionally, talks behind your back, doesn't pay for a date. That's a bad guy. It's a bad guy. It's like calling Himmler a bad guy. Oh, he's a bad guy. This is such a stupid human being. It's not even funny. Yeah, he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. Go ahead. A high-ranking Iranian government official has not made America safer. Yes, it has. What are they talking about? That's like taking out Yamamoto. And I've talked about that over and over again. 
Doesn't make America safer, you know. You just pissed off the Japanese. What kind of people are these? What kind of rationality is this? They're so hungry to be president of the United States? Well, the good news is they're destroying themselves. The media have destroyed themselves. The Democrat Party as an institution, whether they win elections or not, has destroyed itself. As an American institution, anyway. And now these candidates individually. Now listen to this one. Allison Camerata at CNN. Cut 15, go. Vice President Mike Pence just said, Dana, he just said on a different morning show that they have the intelligence to support that Iran fired those missiles intending to kill Americans. How can we trust that, that it, what he's saying there, since they have presented none of the intelligence to the American public? Now, and li- now listen to this. Listen to this. Is this a news reporter? Or just a moron? This is incredible to me. Go ahead. I've seen it uh, dismiss the intelligence as being woefully scant. This is an, an ignoramus who's giving her opinion. She has no news to offer whatsoever. None. Why should we trust the vice president? Why should we trust the vice president? And I think the most outrageous thing today was Nancy Pelosi. Truly the most outrageous thing that I've ever heard come out of the mouth of a Speaker of the House. That's for sure. That's for sure. This moral relativism demonstrates that she has no far moral core whatsoever. I'll be right back. Mark to the president live go criminals and gang members from our country by the thousands we are sending them home and we will not let them back in and i have to tell you a lot of things are happening you're going to hear about it in two seconds thanks to our tireless efforts to secure the border illegal crossings are down 75 percent since may we have ended catch and release Catch and release. You know what catch and release is? We catch them. We take down their name and we release them. What kind of crap is that? These are the, the policies that we inherited. You catch somebody, you take their name, say, please come back in three years, right? And we release them into our country. And if you don't do that, everybody gets sued. Can you believe this? We have ended catch and release. The other one, beauty. How about the lottery? It's called Visa Lottery. How about this? They put their hand. Uh, these people are going to America. Bomb. And they, I will not use names because I'll be accused of something if I do. But from Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador, we have East Coast Pool. Only in Ohio could that happen. <laughs> who is the man that did that book? <laughs> who is that? <laughs> so anyway, but in Honduras and Guatemala, they have like this lottery. Now, the people, I've gotten to know the government officials, they're good. We made some good things. All right. Got a lot more to cover in the next hour. Again, we'll uh, pop in and out with the president if he's still speaking. So please... 
next hour, next half hour, I should say. So please stick with us. We'll be right back. show with a warning label for liberals. The Mark Levin Show. Call him now at 877-381-3811. Now, ladies and gentlemen, last chance for the Chamonix Christmas and holiday set. Mark, Christmas is over. Last chance. Time is running out on Chamonix's best promotion of the year. Am I still on the air, Mr. Producer? All right. Just want to make sure I heard a click. Imagine the double chin and turkey neck gone with the famous Genesel Breakthrough Jawline Treatment with MDL Treatment. Order now and get the classic Genesel for eye bags and puffiness absolutely free. Plus Genesel's immediate effects for results in just 12 hours. Look 10, 15, even 20 years younger right before your eyes. Guaranteed, listen, guaranteed or 100% of your money back. Hello, hello, hello. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or go to Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com. Now, your order today includes Genesel XV, anti-wrinkle treatment. It will be upgraded to priority shipping for free. Order now and get a surprise gift just for ordering today. Order now, 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or go to Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com. Dot com. All right, the president, go. Sanders' health care plan would cost over $32 trillion a year. That's more money than we make in five years. That's more money than we'll ever make. He is indeed crazy. No, no, he's... Oh, let me take that back. No, it's a great plan that we have to consider strongly. We have to consider his plan strongly. Now, see, I'll tell you what the fake news will do. They'll take my last words. It's a great plan. We have to consider it strongly. They'll cut everything out in the front, and they'll say, Donald Trump is in favor of Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal. They can do more with the tape than they can do with a newspaper. No, they'll do that. You'll see it somewhere. You'll see it. Trump supports his plan. They are sick. Republicans will defend middle-class taxpayers and the right to keep the doctor of your choice. We will protect patients with pre-existing conditions, and we will protect your pre-existing physician. You'll have your physician. Virtually every top Democrat also now supports late-term abortion, ripping babies straight from the mother's womb right up until the moment of birth. That is why I've asked Congress to prohibit late-term abortion, because Republicans believe that every child is a sacred gift. But they won't do it. They have no moral soul. That's that's what they've made abundantly clear. Abundantly clear. Radical Democrats are now the party of high taxes, high crime, open borders, late-term abortion, socialism, and blatant corruption. And Soleimani. The Republican Party is the party of the American worker, the American family, and the party of the American dream. We still have that American dream. As of today, we've appointed 187 federal judges 
to interpret the Constitution as written. Think of that. And two great Supreme Court judges. Think of that 187 federal and Court of Appeals judges. Think of that. Thank you, President Obama. He gave us 142 judges. Thank you. Thank you very much, President Obama. <laughs> we have a record. It's a record, and we will appoint many more. But we, uh, first day, I had 142 judges. 142. I said, how many do we have? Sir, you have 142. I said, you got to be kidding. I thought it'd say maybe none, maybe one, but certainly no more than one. They're like gold. They said, no, sir, you have 142. I said, you got to be kidding. How did this happen? President Obama, President Obama did not get it done. And by the way, Mitch helped a lot, too, I have to tell you. Mitch helped a lot. He helped a lot. Wasn't so easy. Mitch McConnell. We're aggressively combating the opi opioid epidemic, and it's bad. In 2018, <clears throat> drug overdose deaths in Ohio fell by, listen to this, 22%. All right, it's I want you to listen enough. to this briefly before the show ends. I want you to listen to uh, Joe Biden in Iowa this week. Now, you have Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> she wants federal zoning. I told you this day was coming. Can't build a home or a business unless it's carbon neutral. That's an impossibility. There's no such thing. Even if you were living in the desert, in a tent, that tent, what goes on in that tent isn't carbon neutral. Because you're exhaling when you breathe. Anyway, Joe Biden this week in Iowa had tip to Americans for tax reform. They've got all kinds of things, ladies and gentlemen, they want to ban from your lives. Because that's what tyrannies do. Cut 18. Go. I agree with you 100%. We should not be allowing plastic. And what we should do is phasing it out. Phase out plastic bags. A government that has the power to phase out plastic bags has the power to destroy your life. Where did the government get the power to phase out plastic bags? You don't want to know where it got the power? From the Supreme Court and the New Deal. Where the checks on the power of the administrative state were destroyed. Franklin Roosevelt. The great Franklin Roosevelt. So he was asked, because in Kenya, we are trying to clean the environment. No plastic bags. You go with your own bags. And then Biden says again, go ahead. I agree with you 100%. We should not be allowing plastic. And what no we plastic do is- bags. No plastic straws. Soon no plastic cups. And as I posted today, how about plastic surgery? If we did without plastic surgery, you know what happened to Joe Biden's face? It would melt. Like one of those Indiana Jones movies. Imagine what would happen to John Kerry's face, which is already disfigured. Imagine. 
or Nancy Pelosi's face for that matter. Imagine the undoing of all those eye tucks and facelifts. Oof. So I say if we're going to get rid of plastic straws and plastic bags, we should get rid of plastic surgery for leftists. Way too much plastic out there. I mean, folks, this is the problem. Even the small things they want to control. The big things for sure, but even the small things. Nothing's off the table. Nothing. When you have so many laws, you have no laws. It becomes a lawless society. I hope that makes sense to you. We're going to outlaw the amount of soda you can drink, the size of the cups. We're going to outlaw plastic straws, plastic bags, I guess everything plastic, everything foam. We're going to outlaw big things too, you know, like your right to bear arms. Elizabeth Warren, we're going to outlaw new homes unless they meet federal zoning requirements that she mandates. We're going to outlaw new business facilities, too. They don't learn from Venezuela. They don't learn from any of these things. It's really quite shocking. And they claim to do these things in the name of the people. Joe Biden's been around a long time. Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, all the rest of them. They've been in government or they've been in academia. What exactly do they know about anything? Exactly nothing. All right, back to the president. Dependence to independence and poverty to prosperity. Together we will elect a Republican Congress to create a fair, safe, sane, and lawful system of immigration. We will enact trade deals that result in more products proudly stamped with that beautiful phrase, made in the USA. We will achieve new breakthroughs in science and medicine, finding new cures for childhood cancer, and ending the AIDS epidemic in America. Nobody knew that. Could have been done long before I got here. They had the technology. But we're ending the AIDS epidemic in America within 10 years. Isn't that amazing? Who would have thought that's possible? Who would have thought that's possible? We will defend privacy, free speech, religious liberty, and the right to keep and bear arms. And above all, we will never stop fighting for the sacred values that bind us together as one big, beautiful America. We support, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. We stand with the incredible heroes of law enforcement. We believe in the dignity of work and the sanctity of life. We believe that faith and family, not government and bureaucracy, are the true American way. We believe that children should be taught to love our country, honor our history, 
and to always respect our great American flag. And I believe we have to take a break. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Harry and Megan so cool, Mr. Producer. They don't want to be part of the royals anymore, you know. They don't want to be obligated. Harry and Megan. Two brats, basically. That's what you're talking about. Two brats. I know Harry served in the uh, British military. I got that. Still two brats. I'm sure Megan's been a magnificent influence on Harry. And they'll get more money, more fame. They will be celebrated for doing what they're doing. They're such rebels. Oh, my goodness. Harry and Meghan. Now, here's a little message for Harry and Meghan. 99.9% of the world don't give a flying you-know-what. They just don't. You can live your little dream world however you wish to live it. Nobody cares. Especially me. I hate to say this, but one of the reasons Americans, probably people other parts of the world, go to Britain. Certainly one of the major reasons is because of the royal family. They want to see the castles. They want to see Buckingham Palace, even from afar. They want to see where Henry VIII committed his debauchery. London Tower. They want to see. This is what we want to see. Without the royal family, what is Britain? Without the royal family, what is Britain, Mr. Producer? It's Boston, basically. No offense, I'm just saying. No, 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 no. And the royal family, for all the money they spend... Think of the tourism dollars that come into that country. And Harry and Meghan. My God. They're so wonderful. They want to stand up to the system. Break loose from... Who's stopping them? Just do it. Just do it. And what are they going to do? What are they going to do? I'm just curious. Are they going to run a Starbucks? Isn't that what good liberals do? Get a Starbucks franchise? Do they have a franchise? I don't even know. Run the London version of Habitat for Humanity? Who knows? can just imagine all the things that they'll do. Be lovely. 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 You gotta feel sorry, really, for the Queen... What a bunch of knuckleheads she has uh, spawned. No, no offense. But I mean that in all sincerity and with all due respect, Mr. Producer. Good job, Harry. You know, ExpressVPN <clears throat> is the software that I and thousands of my fans, many of you, use every day to protect our data online. The time since I started using ExpressVPN, hacking methods have grown even more sophisticated. As an individual internet user, you don't need an IT department. You can't afford an IT department to protect you from online threats. 
What you do need is ExpressVPN. It was invented for you. I've been talking about ExpressVPN on my show for so long now that you already understand why encrypting your network data is so crucially important. Government can't protect you. Major corporations can't protect you. You have to protect yourself with ExpressVPN. Some of you still don't have it. I don't know why. You might be thinking that security threats don't affect you personally. I say that's the wrong way of thinking about this. Not using ExpressVPN is like leaving your front door unlocked every, every time you go out. Sure, nothing happens for years, but when something does happen, it's horrific. You can have a break-in, and it can be devastating. One of the easiest ways to secure your internet data is with ExpressVPN. You click one button on your computer or smartphone, and you're protected. One button. So my question is, why don't you try it and get ExpressVPN? Here's what you do. Visit my special link right now, expressvpn.com slash mark. And you'll even get an extra three months off of uh, ExpressVPN for free. Protect your internet today with the VPN I trust to keep my data safe. Go to expressvpn.com slash mark to get started. expressvpn.com slash mark to get started. Let's go to Ali, our first and maybe our last caller of the evening. I'm sorry, folks. Ali, how are you, sir? Great. How are you, Mr. Levine? Very well, thank you, my friend. I'm originally from Syria. I want to say that to American people. God bless America and bless our troop and bless our president because the king of the evil guy, Soleimani, the one he is behind killing over a million Syrian people with his terrorist group in Lebanon, Hezbollah. Again, God bless America and God bless you, my friend. And Ali, notice, notice how our media don't find gentlemen like you to talk about well, what's taking place. Have you noticed that, Ali? Well, those people, they, do, they don't live over there. This guy, he is an evil guy. Evil, mm-hmm. probably he is better than him. He brought, you know, devastation to Syria, to Yemen, to Lebanon, everywhere in Middle East. Who is that? Who is that? In Lebanon, in Who did Syria. that? Who did that? Soleimani. Yes. So tell me, why don't they tell the true story of Soleimani on CNN and MSNBC and the rest of the media? to go to Aleppo, my friend, and go to surrender Damascus and go to his terrorist group. To be honest with you, I was in Syria two months ago after nine years of the war. My friend, I can't see a crowd. Get Ali's phone number, Mr. Call Screener. We'll call him tomorrow and bring him back. Ali of Houston, the great KTRH. We salute all you heroes out there. I want to thank you, my beloved audience. See you tomorrow. <laughs>